the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed it is. Good morning. Seven minutes after the hour of nine o'clock, and we get we uh, are underway on this Thursday edition. It's the 30th morning of the 12th month of the year of our Lord, 2021. Appreciate you being here. That would make this the penultimate uh, morning of the month or of the uh, 12th month of the year of our Lord, 2021. Tomorrow, of course, will be the final, and we will have a best-of show for you tomorrow on New Year's Eve, as we traditionally do. Uh, so this is our last live show of the broadcast year, so we're going to make it count. A lot of very important information to share with you. Uh, a couple of very important guests who are going to be joining us here uh, this morning as well. Coming up on the program in about a half an hour, we're going to talk to attorney Warner Mendenhall. He is among a group of attorneys working alongside with our friends at Ohio Stands Up to file lawsuits against a host of Ohio universities, colleges and universities, that are mandating um, uh, vaccinations for students to be able to, uh, to appear on campus, to attend classes on campus, to exist there. They have filed lawsuits, the Mendenhall uh, Law Group out of Akron. They have filed lawsuits against the University of Cincinnati, Bowling Green, Ohio University, also businesses, companies like Smuckers that are firing people for not having vaccinations, very dangerous, high-risk vaccinations. So we're going to talk to uh, Warner Mendenhall about those lawsuits and about what those of us who are interested in supporting um, efforts, legal and otherwise, uh, let me rephrase that, not to say I support anything illegal. I mean, from a legal standpoint, as in this case, lawsuits, or in other activist uh, uh, methods who want to support uh, these people, because we do indeed support and believe in bodily autonomy, medical freedom, our right to make up our own uh, minds as far as what we do with our health. So uh, Warner Mendenhall will be with us at 935. And then Dr. Everett Piper will join us at 1010, as he does each and every Thursday. He will wrap up 
2021 for us. A little bit of a retrospective on 2021. We will also talk about a couple of important stories uh, that are going on today, including, by the way, a new female Jeopardy champion. Did you see this? The highest uh, earner in the history of Jeopardy for a woman has just been crowned. It's a, it's a fantastic accomplishment, except for one thing. Uh, he's not a woman. You can probably figure that out. Dr. Piper will join us to talk about that continuing bizarre uh, uh, agenda, if you will. That'll be coming up at 1010 this morning. So Warner Mendehall at uh, 935, Dr. Everett Piper at 1010 this morning, and you can be heard before, between, and after those interviews at 216-901-0945. Before we do anything, and getting getting into the opening monologue, I would ask you now to rise if you are a patriot. Please stand, and please join us for our Pledge of Allegiance. Face a flag if you have one near you. Put your hand on your heart. If you are a Biden voter, if you are a vaccine mandate supporter, um, you don't believe in freedom. You don't believe in America, so you don't have to stand for this pledge. Go ahead and take your knee alongside your fellow revolutionaries. For the rest of us, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. So as you can probably tell by my voice, um, I'm continuing to battle just, uh, you know, your your regular seasonal, um, you know, winter cold. And it's so funny because I saw a meme yesterday online and I shared it, and after I shared it, I mean, it immediately just got 250 people, bing, 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 like, 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 like. Um, I don't make my stuff on Facebook shareable, because anytime I make my stuff on Facebook shareable, that means it goes public, and that means non-friends of mine, in other words, haters, people who don't like me, don't like what I stand for, don't like the messaging I post, they report me to the Facebook moderators. And then the Facebook moderators look at what I say and say, aha, that is in violation of our community standards or our standards against misinformation. And then they suspend me. So I don't make my stuff suspendable, or excuse suspendable, shareable, rather. So I don't get suspendable. Uh, I don't make it shareable for that reason, but yet I am seeing it all over Facebook this morning. People have just copied the photo of this meme and shared it on their own, which I love. And it reads this way. Remember a few years back, we would say things like, boy, I've had a nasty cold for a few weeks now, and people would reply, me too. There's definitely something going around. My whole house got it last week. And then we'd go about our days. Let's do that again. That's it. That's the beginning, and that's the end. Boy, I've had a nasty cold for a few weeks now, or maybe for a week or two weeks. In my case, it's about, I don't know, eight days, nine days now that I've been dealing with a bit of a stuffy nose and a cough. And so people say... I've had a nasty cold for a while now, and people would say, me too. There's definitely something going around. Guess what? It's true. There is something going around. And guess what else? My whole house got it last week. Everybody's breathing each other's germs, and we've got sniffles, and we got a little bit of a cough. And you know what else? We just go about our day. We don't go running to the clinic to get tested. Test me, test me, test me. I've got the sniffles, and I coughed. Test me, test me, test me. Why? What's the purpose of that? Other than to have another positive case recorded because of 
absolutely unreliable tests. Thus continuing to grow the panic. Thus continuing to expand the fear. That's all it does. Because once you get the test result, they're not going to tell you to do anything anyway. They're not going to tell you how to treat it because you already know how to treat it. NyQuil. And during the day when you got to work, DayQuil so you don't get drowsy. Maybe some Robitussin for your cough. Maybe some Halls like I have in my mouth right now. That's what they're going to tell you. And you don't need to go get a positive test and expand the fear to know that. You treat it like what it is, a cold, and you go about your day. Let's do that again. Now, the reason it is so incredibly important for us to treat this as we would any other winter cold or flu is because that is exactly what you have Almost guaranteed. How do we know the tests are unreliable? How do we know that the PCR tests that we have all been using over the course of the last year and a half, how do we know that they are unreliable? Well, maybe because we can ask the CDC. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention are officially, or is officially, withdrawing the use of the PCR test for COVID. Finally admitting that the test cannot differentiate between the flu and the COVID virus. This is extraordinary news. As of tomorrow, December 31st, the CDC is withdrawing the EUA, that's the Emergency Use Authorization of the PCR Test for COVID-19 testing. They have admitted the test does not differentiate between the flu and COVID. Don't believe me? Read it yourself on the CDC website. And I quote, In preparation for this change, CDC recommends clinical laboratories and testing sites that have been using the PCR assay select and begin their transition to another FDA-approved COVID-19 test. CDC encourages laboratories to consider adoption of a multiplexed method that can facilitate detection and differentiation of SARS-CoV-2 and influenza viruses. Such assays can facilitate continued testing for both influenza and SARS-CoV-2 and can save both time and resources as we head into influenza season. End quote. Those words are on the CDC website. As of Jan- or, uh, December 31st, as of tomorrow, they will no longer use the PCR test because the PCR test cannot tell the difference between COVID and influenza. Now, do you remember what happened last year during flu season? Do you remember the strange coincidence of it all? That Dr. Fauci and the NIH and the CDC wanted you to believe that we just had a flu season in which there was no flu. 
every year there are hundreds of thousands of influenza diagnoses. Hundreds of thousands. And every year there are tens of thousands of deaths caused by influenza, primarily in the very old and the very, very young. Every year. Every year except 2020, the year of COVID. Suddenly, as COVID raged, there was no influenza. It's like influenza said, yeah, COVID's got this. They'll kill all the people we would have killed. We'll just take the year off. As if influenza viruses just said, ah, we're not needed around here anymore. We knew that was trash last year when they tried to tell us there was no influenza deaths. And we know it's trash now. Quietly and without media attention, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention has withdrawn the PCR process as a valid test for detecting and identifying COVID-19 and now are pushing for a different test that can actually differentiate between COVID-19 and influenza. They needed the fake test to keep the fear going in order to push as much vaccination and vaccination mandates and therefore as much profit for the big pharmaceutical cartels as humanly possible. So what does that mean, bigger picture? Now that the CDC is admitting that their tests were trash, And their tests simply could not differentiate between COVID and influenza. What does that mean, bigger picture? It means the numbers that they have been giving to you every day for the last 18 months or more are garbage. They're telling you. Every day, Uh, the new uh, record high in uh, COVID cases uh, reported yesterday, higher than the 21-day average, etc., etc., etc. COVID cases through the roof all last year and all of this year, telling you that all of these millions of people were COVID positive and that 800,000 people in the United States have died from COVID. Number one. We know that their definition of dying from COVID is dubious at best because there have been countless numbers of reports from medical um, uh, professionals who are telling you that people who die in car crashes are being swabbed as they lay on the table, found that, hey, they had COVID, and then instead of the car crash being reported as the death, they're recorded and coded as a COVID death. So number one, just the reports of the number of of COVID deaths, dubious at best, quite frankly, dishonest, inaccurate, lies. But now we know that even those numbers are skewed too, because now they're admitting that the COVID tests that were testing positive for COVID might have been testing positive for influenza. But the PCR tests they've been using couldn't tell. So how many of those 800,000 deaths that they're attributing to COVID inaccurately, how many of them are actually influenza deaths? Which, again, happens every year by the tens of thousands. How many 
How many last year and how many this year and this year's flu season, how many people have died of influenza but are undiagnosed with influenza because their PCR test said COVID? And this wealth of misinformation by the scientists and the organizations we are told to trust without question, that's what they tell us. Trust the science and trust the scientists and do not question them. This wealth of misinformation has led to the mandates that have cost countless number of pe- numbers of people their jobs. Federal mandates, corporate mandates, citywide mandates, all the different jurisdictions. Costing people their jobs, their livelihoods, costing children their educations, mandates for vaccinations based on faulty data. And oh, by the way, based on vaccinations that do not work. As I said yesterday, and a lot of people have put it in different terms, I'll use polio. If I had to take three different polio shots to inoculate myself against polio, and then I got polio, I'd be just a little bit upset. That's exactly what is going on right now. Three different shots to inoculate against COVID-19, and yet they are catching COVID-19 by the scores. Anybody have a problem with that? 216-901-0945, 888-281-1110. 216-901-0945, I'll be right back. Okay, 926. Thanks for being with us on AM 1420, The Answer. I want to hit you with this line, too. This is very important as it pertains to what I just shared with you. The very quiet uh, decision made by the the CDC, and with very, very little media coverage at all, to suspend the use of the PCR test because it can't tell COVID from influenza. The inventor of the PCR process is a person named Dr. Kerry Mullis, Nobel laureate, inventor of the PCR process, said several years ago, That, and I quote, the PCR is a process. It does not tell you that you are sick, end quote. It was never meant to be a COVID test. They started using PCR tests to test for something that it should never have been used to test for. And they based all U.S. lockdown and vaccine policies on the results of those tests. This saying says the actual inventor of the PCR test. Speaking of inventors, here's another part of the story that you should be aware of. Dr. Robert Malone. Dr. Robert Malone um, is a U.S.-based virologist and immunologist who claims to be the inventor of the mRNA technology that is being used now for the mRNA vaccines by Pfizer and Moderna. He is an outspoken critic of the mRNA vaccines. He's internationally recognized vaccine research. He's authored dozens of scientific papers. He's been cited thousands of times. 
He's the primary author of a 1989 paper that demonstrated how RNA could be delivered into cells. He's the co-author of a 1990 paper showing how injecting pure RNA or DNA into mouse muscle cells could lead to the transcription of new proteins. His work has been described as seminal in the field of mRNA vaccine development. And although he supports vaccines, generally speaking as a medical doctor, he believes that the steps that the U.S. government has taken to bring mRNA COVID-19 vaccines to market from Pfizer and BioNTech and Moderna, quote, have been detrimental and contrary to globally accepted standards for developing and regulating safe and effective licensed products, end quote. He shares this information with you, oftentimes on social media, including Twitter, where he has over 500,000 followers that are hanging on his every word. At least they were. Twitter has now permanently suspended Dr. Robert Malone's account. Twitter has decided that this doctor, who has done seminal research into the field of mRNA vaccine development, and is opposed to the use of mRNA vaccines pushed forth now by Pfizer and Moderna, that he can't be heard. Didn't they tell us not to question science? Didn't they tell us not to challenge science? Then why are they questioning and silencing this scientist? This means I must have been on the mark, so to speak, over the target, said Robert Malone. It also means we lost a critical component in our fight to stop these vaccines being mandated for children and to stop the corruption in our governments, as well as the medical industrial complex and pharmaceutical industries. He has been suspended for, quote, repeated violations of the COVID-19 misinformation policy. That means Twitter's fact-checkers apparently no more than this doctor, this immunologist, this virologist, who did the primary work on RNA and DNA being injected into muscle cells for the transcription of new proteins. This scientist has been questioned and deemed to be misinformative by the Twitter fact-checkers. His account is gone. Do you still believe what the government is trying to feed you? Do you still believe what Dr. Fauci wants you to believe? They tell you not to question science, yet they cancel scientists every day for daring to provide information that challenges the misinformation coming from the government. It is astounding, and it is devastating. And we'll continue to talk coming up. Two one six nine zero one zero nine four five. We're going to talk to Attorney Warner Mendenhall next on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Social justice warriors. If you're looking for a safe space where your delicate ears won't be offended, this isn't it. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. 
Okay, 936. Thanks for joining us on The Authority. This final time in the calendar year 2021, we will have the best of show for you tomorrow on New Year's Eve, so hopefully you will enjoy that. In fact, I know you'll enjoy that. It's some of the best interviews and conversations that we've had in this calendar year. We'll do it again on Monday as well before we come back on Tuesday. So last live show of the week, and we want it to count. Now, about two weeks ago, uh, the first lawsuit was filed. This one was against the University of Cincinnati. Akron-based Mendenhall Law Group, who is uh, working with the support, by the way, of our friends at Ohio Stands Up, filed a lawsuit on behalf of four students at the University of Cincinnati. Um, The uh, university and its board of trustees was named in the complaint, and the complaint was essentially to do exactly that, to check the university's abuse of power as it pertains to COVID-19 vaccine mandates for University of Cincinnati students and the health uh, uh, measures put into place, such as mandatory masking and mandatory testing, even for people who are asymptomatic. Since that time, apparently, the uh, lawsuit has expanded to the university, uh, to uh, Bowling Green State University, Ohio University as well, and on the corporate side, Smuckers. What are these lawsuits about, and how will they end up? Joining us now to discuss is uh, one of the uh, central figures, one of the filers of these lawsuits, Warner Mendenhall of the Mendenhall Law Firm, joining us now on AM 1420, The Answer. Mr. Mendenhall, good morning. Good to have you. How are you, sir? Good morning. Really good to be on. Good to have you. I uh, I have a lot of... uh, friends at Ohio Stands Up, I am a big-time supporter of what they are doing, and I know that they are working to support you and your law firm and your plaintiffs in this case because it is extraordinarily important uh, that we take this to the courts and defend our rights. Tell me first about the University of Cincinnati suit, because, again, that was the first one I read about, and then, as I said, uh, I see now that Bowling Green and OU and Smuckers are involved here. But start with Cincinnati. What was the central complaint? Let me add a couple more for you right you now, more? because we we also sued Miami. That one is on appeal right now. Okay. And uh, we also uh, sued uh, four companies down that, that contract at the Portsmouth Gaseous Diffusion Plant. So we, we've got, uh, we have quite a bit of litigation around the coronavirus issue. And uh, we also are working on a mask uh, lawsuit against the uh, Hudson uh, schools. Wow! So yeah, we look. These uh, what, what has happened is essentially, uh, you know, all of these uh, companies, uh, all of these schools have really gone far outside their authority, um, and and that's you know what happened uh, with the colleges and universities. I think that's actually a pretty clear path because you know they have no authority to treat kids who have been un- have not been vaccinated any differently than uh the kids who got one of these emergency use uh shots um you know the state legislature made that clear last year with Senate Bill 22 and yet they just barrel forward um in fact I had a call you know, yesterday, and, and this was on a private school, Case is requiring boosters of its students at this point. I mean, you know, it's just unbelievable to me because, you know, we, I think your listeners, I'm sure, realize that this, I, and I even hate to call it a vaccine, it's a genetic therapy, uh, that this genetic therapy, it's, it's not working. I, I mean, 
you know, my, my family, like many families, are split over this issue. I can tell you right now, every vaccinated person in my family has gotten uh, the coronavirus in the last uh, couple of weeks. And I mean, that's well, my yeah, your family experience. is not unusual. Yeah, your family is not unusual, which is kind of the point here. Um, yeah. Millions of people who have been double and triple vaccinated, counting a booster now, are also finding themselves uh, coming down with COVID-19, indicating very clearly that this is not a vaccination by definition. A vaccination provides inoculation from infection, not lessening of symptoms which is what they, you know, they are, they're arguing that this does. But let's get specifically now to the universities. Um, you know, uh, Cincinnati, BG, OU, you mentioned Miami now, and that one's on appeal. Uh, what is the argument of the students that they, they should not have to subject themselves to any kind of medical treatment in order to, to come to a public university? Is that essentially the argument? Yeah, it's illegal uh, for the universities to require a medical treatment, especially one that is emergency use. And the reason I am focusing on emergency use is because of a state statute that says that students that have gotten uh, that have not gotten an emergency use uh, shot cannot be treated any differently than those who have. And you know that the universities are discriminating against students that have not gotten the shot. Um, and, and, and that's what led, you may have seen, that we really tried to uh, hunt for the Comirnaty vaccine. It's simply not available in Ohio. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, it, it doesn't seem to be available nationally. The CDC's own website put out that Pfizer's not going to produce Comirnaty until they've used up all the old shots that they have in the system. So you know, because there is not an approved for, for those, shot if you would, available. if I may, if I may, Warner, just to just to clarify for people who may not understand, uh, the the or Comirnaty or whatever, however you want to pronounce that, yeah, however the, you want to say is it. the officially, yeah, is the officially approved the full FDA approval uh, drug that has been created by the. Uh, uh, combination of Pfizer and BioNTech. They are the ones who sup- apparently got the full approval of the FDA, which we are told now, if you take the Pfizer shot, you are getting comernity. You are getting that, but it's just not labeled as such. Um, that's been the subject of a lot of uh, dispute, I guess, uh, among many in the in the legal and in the medical communities. Yeah, but in Ohio, there is no dispute. Uh, based on, And I'm going to give people the revised code section if they want to see it. Uh, it's revised code 3709.212, um, and uh, the other one that is important is 379204. And let me tell you, you know, uh, you know, people need to understand that uh, EUA or emergency use uh, authorized uh, shots simply do not count uh, in terms of I- any ability for these universities and colleges to discriminate against those that didn't get it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, let me read this to you. I know this is, you know, legislation, but I'm going to read it. Um, 379204 forbids requiring an individual to receive a vaccine for which the United States Food and Drug Administration has not granted full approval. Defendants are state institutions of higher education, and they're discriminating by requiring students to engage in or refrain from engaging in activities or precautions that differ from the activities or precautions of a student who has received an injection not fully approved. I know that that language almost sounds like gobbledygook. It just simply means you cannot discriminate against these students who don't want to be vaccinated. 
which you know, uh, you know should, all... which should go without saying. But as you point out, many of these universities are. What you said a second ago is that Case Western Reserve University has taken it a step further and said, even if you are double vaccinated now, now you get off of our campus until you get the third one, until you get the boost. Which begs the question, yeah. Warner Mendenhall. You know, uh, how long will this go on when the Omicron shot is available in March, which is what Pfizer? and BioNTech are saying, and the CEO of BioNTech says that will be administered in three doses. So now we're talking about shots four, five, and six. Yeah. Are, are these colleges, universities, corporations really going to make and track six different shots before they'll allow students and workers onto their properties? You know, I, I think people are, are waking up. I know that, you know, we have, we can't even keep up with the phone calls from the parents. They're so upset at what's happening. Um, you know, they're not buying the copper mine in Nigeria deal that they're selling. This is simply, uh, you know, they have simply told us a story that is not true at this point. The shots don't work. If they come up with another shot, are we going to believe them then? They don't work. I mean, Pfizer's paid billions and billions of dollars for its fraud in the pharmaceutical space over the years. Um, you know, they probably well, they can, they can afford to they can afford to when they're making fifteen to twenty billion per quarter yeah, on right, on these right. uh, on these profit shots. That's why I don't call them vaccines; I call them profit, profit shots. shots. Yeah. yeah, that's what they are. I, li- I, li- I like that. Well, you know, we have to look. We we need to use common sense about this at this point. We know they don't work. I look in my own family and the people who believed that they that they would have some protection by taking this shot are not protected. They're sick. Uh, they've gotten co- they've gotten this uh, COVID. Maybe it's the latest version. I don't know. But we all have to get through this, and we have to look to early treatment, not not shots. Uh, and and the other thing that I think people don't realize every time you. You know, our bodies are meant to rest from the antibodies that are created by the shots or by the disease. So your body has an initial antibody response, and and that antibody response is supposed to go away. If we constantly keep our bodies primed with this antibody response, we're going to have all kinds of other health issues that are arising. And we're, you know, and we're seeing things. You know, we consulted with nurses throughout Ohio at Cleveland Clinic, at uh, at Ohio Health and at OSU Medical Center in particular. And I can tell you, among those three entities, there were about 30,000 nurses that did not want to take this shot. And they don't want to take it because they're seeing what's happening on their cancer wards, where when, they take, when people take the shot, it seems like the, the cancer treatment stalls. They're seeing it in the cardiac area where people come in and they are uh, very ill, uh, and they're not your typical cardiac patient. Uh, and they're seeing it in the maternity wards where, you know, they're simply losing babies. There's miscarriages. So I've heard this directly from nurses at all these locations from those three major health centers. We've also consulted with nurses at, at Children's Hospital, who they still have a mandate, a private mandate, and I'll get to that in a minute, and then UH. Now, thank God these, these uh, big systems back down on their mandate or we'd have lost thousands of nurses and we'd really be in a health care crisis. But the nurses see the damage from the shot, and the, it, it has scared them. It scared them away from it. And, uh, you know, they see the long-term damage that's occurring to people. So, 
look, you know, folks are waking up, obviously. I think some of the medical people are waking up very quickly. I am trying to get some doctors to step forward and talk about what they're seeing, particularly in the cardiac units. I, I have some doctors that I'm trying to, you know, I, I know they're upset about what they're seeing. I'm trying to get them to go public with it. We are talking with Warner Mendenhall of the Mendenhall Law Group. His uh, group has filed lawsuits on behalf of students and on behalf of workers against these unconstitutional vaccine mandates, masking mandates, and more. Um, That is some really important information you just shared. Um, If I may get specific on Smuckers, because I've had a number of people who have uh, family members who work at Smuckers who have told Mm -hmm. me about what happened to their their family members who lost their jobs because of this mandate. Tell me about that, Sue. Well, what what the private companies like Smuckers are doing, you know, is, uh, to me, it's just such an invasion of of their employees. You know, we're not animals that can be, uh, you know, given a experimental medical procedure uh, at the whim of some company. I mean, that that's exactly, you know, how they're treating their employees. And, and Smuckers, you know, had such a good reputation as a good company, you know, with good jobs for Wayne County down there. And I can tell you that the folks that I represent were, you know, up until now, they were very proud uh, to work for that company. They thought that company was a moral company. Uh, they thought that company uh, cared about its workers. Um, they, they, you know, they were very proud, and they are very, very upset about leaving that company. Um, you know, and we tried to stop it. Uh, we we did uh, file for a restraining order against Smuckers. Uh, the judge uh, overruled that. We are going to continue to litigate it. Uh, these folks still have uh, legal rights that need to be vindicated, and we'll do it. It's just we couldn't, uh, you know, we didn't end up saving their jobs last week. Um, and you may hear from my voice, I'm a little bit exhausted by all the work we've been doing, but, um, you know, we, we, it's, it was really, really sad. You know, and I'm going to give you a, a, a couple of things about Smuckers. I mean, one, okay. one of the pilots is part of the lawsuit. And the reason he's part of the lawsuit is because one of the other pilots actually took the shot and uh, then had a problem passing his medical to continue to fly. Wow. So the shot is impacting people, so, you know, in a, it's impacting the pilot. You know, they have, this is Smuckers, they have pilots. Uh, <laughs> you, know, he, he, you know, he refused because he'd like to keep flying, and he felt like the shot, you know, could seriously uh, damage his body and make it so he can't fly. And we're seeing that you know, in airline pilots around the country as well. Smuckers also lost some of its most experienced airplane mechanics uh, because the mechanics didn't want to take the shot, uh, you know, which, you know, this obviously doesn't make sense. Your experienced people, your experienced pilots and mechanics, that's who keep you safe. So I think that, that this is obviously wrong, a wrong decision. They've lost IT people. Most of the people that I represent right now are... You know, they're managers. It's not, they're not union workers. They're managers. Uh, they're going to hit the union and the workers on the floor in March. So that's coming. And, and I, you know, the union at least provides some protection for those workers, and I'm sure they're, you know, talking about it and trying to figure out what to do. And, I, you know, maybe by then it'll be crystal clear that the shot doesn't work and the company will back down. Um, well, it's not just you know, that the shot doesn't work. It's It's... 
you know, the various reported dangers and adverse effects, including death, that the shot provides for so many. There's a story here, and I won't go too in-depth on it because we're out of time here, Warner, but um, the New York Times, as you know, solidly on the left and supportive of all of the uh, big government uh, mandates like the vaccines and so forth, uh, one of their deputy editors, a Pulitzer Prize-winning pandemic reporter named Carlos Tejada, and this was just yesterday, uh, died one day after receiving his booster shot and oh, uh, pro- yeah. and, pro- and promoting it online. Uh, quote, double-vaxxed, Jansen-fueled, Moderna-boosted. Hey, Omicron, hit me with your wet snot, he wrote uh, in his yeah. caption. Um, and this, this man was an otherwise healthy 49-year-old person. Uh, who took the the uh, the Moderna booster, which, by the way, and and this is something I don't know if you or your researchers uh, are working on too. You know, the, the 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 effects of mixing the various types of Pfizer for one or Johnson for one, and then uh, and then Moderna for the booster, mixing these different compounds in the body, what effect that has on people? I have no idea how they can decide that that's a safe thing to advise, but that's what they did. But this otherwise healthy 49-year-old who said, yes, I got one for my double shot, I got a different one for my booster, bring it on, he was dead a day later. He was healthy. Um, this yeah. is the kind of thing, this is the kind of thing, Warner, again, that people are seeing, you mentioned it, people in the health care profession, nurses, see this stuff, and they're like, I'm not taking that, and that's why we end up right. having a medical staff shortage as well. I'll give you the last thought, go ahead. Well, I just want people to understand, um, you know, we've got to come together around this, and we've got to support OhioStandsUp.org. I know they're having a a fundraiser on January 22nd. Go to OhioStandsUp.org and help them out. They're supporting more than just me. They're supporting other attorneys. They're supporting the fight. I think they're going to work for a constitutional amendment uh, to get some more protections for the people of Ohio. So OhioStandsUp.org is really important to support right now. They're doing great work. We have to fight this thing in, in legal ways, media ways, political ways, protest ways, every way we can. It's a multifactored uh, effort here. Warner Mendenhall of the Mendenhall, Mendenhall Law Group. I completely concur. I support Ohio Stands Up, and I hope people will support them at that fundraiser on the 22nd as well. Tickets are available online at ohiostandsup.org. Uh, Mr. Mendenhall, thank you very much. Keep us posted on the fight as it works its way through the courts, and uh, thank you very oh, much. Oh, anytime, Bob. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. All right, 9.55. I'll be right back. Okay, it's 9.58, so I've got time for maybe one phone call in here before the top of the hour. Then Dr. Everett Piper will join us for the final time in the calendar year 2021. That'll be at about 10.10. Let me go to Cleveland and say good morning to Jerry on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, Jerry. Go right ahead. Hey, how you doing, Bob? Uh, I'm an air ambulance pilot working in this industry. And in the beginning, this COVID thing, um, it, it was it was a very serious uh, deal, Um Number one, we we all got a huge bonus to do the flight uh, because people were not taking flights. They were scared to do it. Uh, we had to wear hazmat gear, uh, you know, the face shield, the suit, uh, gloves, everything. And um, the ambulance would come out to the airplane. They'd bring a patient, a COVID-positive patient, and they were 
on the on the stretcher. They were hooked up to life support. There was a medical team. Uh, it was a very serious. Uh, it was a very serious deal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then after we delivered the patient to where they needed to go, uh, the aircraft would be professionally cleaned by a, a like a hazmat company. We called those guys the astronauts. They'd come out uh, dressed up in a in a complete total hazmat suit and fumigate the airplane and. And that was that. So after we just did a couple flights, I don't know, maybe four or five flights into this, um, they decided to take away the bonus, and there was no more professional cleaning of the aircraft. Uh, the pilots would clean the aircraft. We were okay to do it because we kind of started seeing what was going on. Right. And uh, there was also reduced hazmat gear. We weren't wearing the hazmat suit. We weren't wearing the, mer- the, the face shield. We were just kind of doing gloves and uh, a mass, and we were we were okay with that. And then it's just as time went on, you could just see the lax attitude uh, of the the healthcare professionals and the pilots as well. And uh, in fact, last week we did a flight. We 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 picked up one patient. This he walked up to the airplane with his overnight bag, and he was just wearing a mask. That was it. It's on the airplane. I said, "Hey, so how you feeling?" He goes, "I'm feeling pretty good." And I said, uh, I'm going to guess you have nothing more than maybe a cold, runny nose, uh, possibly a headache, you know. Mm -hmm. And he just, I knew he was smiling under the mask. And he says, no, I don't even have a headache. I just have a flu. So, we so, so the takeaway the was, takeaway here is what, Jerry? Because I got to go. Uh, it's top of the hour here. Yeah. Uh, what's the takeaway for you? That 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 it's lessening up. The industry can see that this is becoming just a flu. It's a cold. It's not a big deal. It's not the serious, deadly environment. People, you're not going to die if you get up close to these people. And it is a flu. And the government wants to keep it running, keep it going as long as they can. Number one, so they can uh, keep the people, the public, in fear. Right. And if you look at the lawmakers that, that own stocks in Moderna, Johnson, and Pfizer, they want to keep the profits up. They want to get the shot. What did you companies- just say? My friend, Jerry, what you just said is what my mantra has been. This is not about health. It's about power and profits. You just said both of those things. And thank you for the call. It's the power of keeping the people in fear and thus under their thumb and the profit motivation behind all of it. It's power and profit, power and profit, and nothing more. We'll be right back. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.